Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across the table from me today, we have uh, drummer, pal of mine, cool dude, Dan Ainspin in the house. Welcome. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah Ainspan. That's, like, that's the coolest intro I think I've gotten in a while. <laughs> so that's... I've pride myself in trying to not be like a boring host because I know I've been to yeah. those those live shows where people are like, hi, uh, right. thanks for coming, have fun, this is, uh, it's, it's five o'clock. <laughs> like, tip your bartenders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, tip your bartenders and like, have a good night, talk to you at the end. So I'm always trying to be like a, like a cartoon of myself on stage. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for coming on today, man. Of course, thanks for the invite. What have you been yeah. up to today? What's uh, what's life been like in the world of a uh, drummer pal? Drummer pal, yeah. So uh, we were talking before this uh, about my own podcast, Nashville mm-hmm. Drummers Podcast. That's been taking up a lot of my free time. Uh, me and my bud Nathan Slutner, we've been Sweet. doing that for almost a year, I think. And uh, I think by the time this airs, we will have released uh, episode 15. Hell yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, we're excited for that. So uh, I know about the Nashville Drummers Podcast, but will you tell the listeners this week kind of what that's all about? Yeah, it's it's kind of what you might think it would be. Um, we basically interview, it's interview style, so we have featured guests, kind of like you guys Sweet. do, every, uh, not every week, but we're trying to do about two or three a month. Oh, okay. And so we're just sitting down with the local drummers here in town, with, with an emphasis more on like the up-and-coming players. Cool. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the celebrities like have already been on so many podcasts, and not that we can't learn from them, but like we're trying to just... You know, give uh, a platform for more of you know the the younger generation, the players that are moving here. You know, your next door neighbor that plays for church, like what's his story? You know, cool. where does he come from? Yeah, and that's great because I feel like so many of these, I want to call them like successful drummers. They're already they're they're kind of over the press junket. They they have felt the uh, the fame, and now it's just like let me get on stage and play. Yeah, like and like and like don't get me wrong, I love listening to all those drummers and the podcasts that have those drummers. And, right. and like that being said, we are still going to interview like episode 15 that just dropped is with Jake Summers, the drummer Sweet. for Luke Combs. So like he's been on a ton of podcasts, but he's in our backyard. Like we're obviously going to talk to those guys. Sweet. Same with like, you know, Rich Redmond and so many drummers here that we're going to get to. But I think our emphasis is, is still kind of on those up and coming. Like, and like you said, like the, the successful drummers, like when we hear from them, it's kind of like at the tail end or like they're already like, at that point, like, you know, you get, you get their backstory, but it's cool to to listen to, like, drummers that are in the, like, in the middle of it. Right. Like, they're figuring it out, and it's, I think, a little bit more relatable for the everyday That's cool. listener. That's kind of what I'm trying to do with Nashville Tour Stop is because, I I mean, I love getting to meet, I don't want to make it sound derogatory, but, like, people who are fresh off the boat, yeah. like, they're, they've just gotten into town. It's so it's like it's a what, whole new world boat? for there's, them. There's no water here. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> off it's, the highway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's the it's the most exciting time of their life because they're finally like they're doing the thing they always said they would. So there's all these people who are just super excited about doing anything, even remotely related to yeah. music. So if I do a video or a podcast or put them on a round or something like. Kids make a big deal out of that stuff. Yeah. Like the same way I did when I first moved here. Oh, for sure. And everyone loves to talk about themselves and, and <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be your biggest champion, like for the brand, for the podcast. Yeah. So when did you move to Nashville? So I moved to Nashville, uh, 2020. Okay. It's a good year to, to What move. Did you move here before or after the, the, the COVID shutdown? Yeah. So kind of a funny story. Um, so I moved here to work for Pearl Drums, mm-hmm. which we can get into, of course. Um, and my first day of work was January 20th. <laughs> and I remember it was like, it literally snowed that day. Right. 
So it's like I literally brought the snow from New York. That's where I'm from. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I had the mindset, I'm coming to Nashville, I'm coming to the South, I'm wearing shorts, and then it snows. I mean, it's not because you're cold-hearted. So. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and then, uh, it was, yeah, it was just a weird, obviously, a weird few weeks. And then, like, I, th- I think that day was the first confirmed case of COVID. Woof. I want to say it was January 20th. And then I feel like the NBA got canceled shortly thereafter within a few weeks, yeah. right? Yeah, and Kobe, mm-hmm. it was, that was just, like, the start of the worst year. Yeah, because I remember I was at a round up at Hopsmith Tavern that night. Yep. And... We were on stage when the TVs, like, announced, like, ob- above the bar that, like, the NBA was canceled. And I remember it being, like, at the end of a song, and I said, hey, hey, guys, like, the NBA is canceling the season. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, like, this might actually be a problem. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Like, we see the headline, but what, what do you mean? NBA, NBA canceled, canceled season. Yeah, You're like, right. What is, is are that many people injured? Yeah, right. Something wrong. Yeah. So you moved in 2020, and were you uh, working from home for Pearl during that time as as well? Surprisingly, no. I mean, in the the thick of the pandemic, we did have to, you know, isolate and quarantine, and we all went, you know, all went home. Um, But we we've tried to be um, in person for as Mm -hmm. much as possible, and part of that is because our warehouse is here, right? And so we, you know, physically. Uh, for the, for those that work in the warehouse, mm-hmm. they need to be, you know, on site. They're doing things. Exactly. Um, Everyone yeah, had we those were, sweet uh, stimulus checks where they could buy drums. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was that was a thing. I mean, we, we were very lucky. Like, one of the few companies in our entire industry that did not have to lay off anyone or even wow. take pay cuts. And I, and I was, as a new employee, I, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say I was a little bit nervous for me because I was... Right. This company's been around for 75 years. They were doing fine without me. You know, they hire me. I'm coming in. And, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm valuable to the team and all that. But, you know, on the chopping block, if if we needed to, I thought maybe that would could be a possibility. But it, it was and never. That, that would have even, sucked. Move, yeah. move to a new city, get all this stuff ready. And they're like, sorry, yeah, bye. That, that would have been <laughs> really bad. But, the, yeah, it's a great company. They treat us all really well. Good culture. Yeah, so uh, what is it you actually do for Pearl? Yeah, so... My title is marketing assistant okay. uh, for a band and orchestra. Sweet. So there's like kind of different divisions, departments. We're pretty small. I mean, we're a global company, but mm-hmm. so we have like the combo division, which is drum sets, um, you know, electronics, and then BNO, which is band and orchestra. And um, so that's like all of our, you know, marching band products, percussion, like wow. orchestral instruments. Oh, that's cool. Which is great because that's my background as a percussionist myself. Gotcha. Like, I was in school band and orchestra. So we would have been friends in high school. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> like, I ate lunch in the band room. You know, I was a total Where are you nerd. from? Uh, Albany, New York. Albany. Yeah, I grew up in central Missouri, and, okay. like, I went to a, I realize now, a humongous high school. Yep. Because I've met friends here in Nashville now who are definitely not, like, they they are definitely not city people. They are actually, like, one one road town kind of people yeah my high school had like three thousand kids in it so we had an entirely separate campus for fine arts all of our all of our theater and music and art of any kind wow. just had its own building its own campus that's so amazing i lived there so we would we would have been pals oh for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you were a, a band kind of a band nerd yo yep yeah, totally. big time yeah. what, did, what did you start with when you were a kid yeah, I mean, I uh, it's funny. I was I was home visiting family for July Fourth, and you know they have all the home music, uh, not music videos, the home videos of us, me and my uh, twin brother. The VHS were, tapes. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I was I was playing drums like as soon. I mean, as soon as I could stand, really. Um, but it definitely started out with uh, you know drum set. I got like a very small like plastic kit, mm-hmm. and then eventually just 
started taking lessons in school and then, um, you know, I mean, eventually started playing all percussion and, um, so were you really into like big band orchestra band kind of music or were you a rock drummer, a jazz, a jazz drummer? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've always gravitated towards set and, be, you know, being in a rock band. <laughs> I think most, that's, that's the world I come from. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, a lot of drummers can probably relate to that. Like they started out with that, like just the, the joy of playing with others. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we find our, our niche, you know, directions and paths. But I, I always really enjoyed playing in orchestra and I was in like some like community bands and uh, some other orchestras that you had to audition for. And like, cool. I was at a point before college where I kind of like, kind of the crossroads where I could really either like pursue music like full time. Mm-hmm. In school and like Had you always percussion. planned on being in music? I think so. But at that point, I also had a love for like just other, I didn't really know it would be like marketing yet, but it was like the, the other kind of like creative, like digital me. I love making videos of myself on the Sweet. drums, uploading videos, social media. So I had that love and I was trying to marry that with, okay, I still love to play. And so I figured, you know, I could always be playing. I'm going to, so I ended up getting my degree in music business. Cool minoring in audio production and percussion so i got a, a mix of everything i love to do that's very and cool. um, where did you study it was a uh, state university of new york college okay. at oneonta it's okay. under the suny umbrella there's like 60 or 70 schools so it was oneonta upstate mm-hmm. cool yep i'm only familiar with that city name because uh they talk about it in friends I, like Phoebe's ta- like looking for her dad or something. Yeah, like, I remember like, yeah, that was a big moment She's for calling us. all of these different cities asking for her dad. Yes. She's like, is there anybody named Frank Buffet in Oneonta? And they're like, no. And she just keeps going on with all of these other upstate New York That's cities. That's so funny, yeah. Yeah. So uh, moved here in 2020. Jazz and was that ever part of your life? Jazz? Like, jazz band? Because I know um, a lot of- I mean, I played jazz band in high school. Okay. It was, I was never seriously into jazz- Definitely I, more I've never into, been into it either. Too many notes. Too many notes, right? I need too much interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a ner- I love to like read music and transcribe even. Okay, but uh, you know, in college I did a percussion ensemble and I was in like rock bands. I was in a Frank Zappa tribute. Oh, band. sweet! That was like the kind of the <laughs> the peak of my like weirdness, but also like I mean that's very challenging stuff. It's deceptively uh, difficult. Very. Because yes. people just see the handlebar mustache and they're like, ah, it's the <laughs> 70s. Dude, Zappa's, I mean, he he was composing like freaking musicals and mm-hmm. he's, it wasn't just get on stage and play. It was like a whole, whole productions. Oh yeah. Really I like, I, I'm thinking, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's an old Frank Zappa quote, something about how like you'll be writing a song and then all of a sudden the song just becomes a giraffe filled with whipped cream. Like <laughs> I forget exactly what it is, but it's just, it sounds like something he would say. Yeah. It's just this completely random kind of stuff. And it, it, it's remarkable. Like, and his son is also an incredible guitarist. Oh yeah. Dweezil Zappa. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen him play. I've, I've seen videos. I, just, I remember this video from, uh, the early 2000s where Dweezil Zappa and Frank, or not Frank Zappa, uh, Dweezil and Steve Vai are mm. uh, guitar dueling and they're just going back and forth with the bandas. Like that was one of those early YouTube videos where I saw it and I was like, I have to make those sounds. Yeah, right. I have to be a rock guitar player. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you were in rock bands. Yeah, for the most part. And, you know, some of my favorite drummers be, like were drumming for uh, for Zappa. Who know? are who are your favorite drummers? Uh, well, like, you know, Terry Bazio, mm-hmm. Chad Wackerman. I mean, there's so many. I mean, now, like, it's it's maybe a little bit different. Um, Mark Juliana. Cool. You know, uh, Todd Zuckerman, drummer for Sticks. Nice. 
but I've seen Sticks twice. Really? Yeah. I've yet to. They're, 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 they're a still great taking, live band. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. They're a great live band. And I've actually on my arm here, I've got a tattoo for, uh, do you know who that is? No. Taylor Hawkins. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that's I, Taylor Hawkins. That's what I thought. Yep. Yeah. That, that is the tattoo he had on his left shoulder. Oh my gosh. Is that a recent? Died. So what? Is that recent? Or Yeah. I got this back in March. Oh wow. Like right after he died. Damn. Yeah, and it's actually it's cool now because people will see it and they'll know. Yeah. But then I'll meet other people who have the same tattoo. Yeah. And everyone's like, "You a drummer?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> just just, <laughs> just love a Taylor. Fan, just yeah. a fan of the band. Just a fan, yeah. <laughs> so when did you actually get started drumming? How old were you? Uh, like I said, I mean, I was drumming since I could really stand and and you know move around. So your entire life, I was always I was always tapping, and luckily I've had very supportive parents, and you know had a good uh, education. So nowadays, are you focusing more on like uh, studio work, like session playing, or do you prefer live, like on yeah, stage, I'm, rock and I roll? I think like all of us, you know, I've been here for two years. I'm trying to kind of figure out where I sort of fit into mm-hmm. this whole scene. But I love doing kind of everything you, you mentioned there. Um, right. I love playing live. I'm never going to, you know. I saw you play live the other day with Kate Sykes over yeah, at the local. Yeah, that was cool to see you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was Kate's that was first show. full band set. She's Which, she's uh, awesome. Yeah, she's great, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully, shout we'll, out we'll Kate Sykes. More. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she just dropped her her single, mm-hmm. "Rock and Roll Jesus." Rock and Roll Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a great song. So, uh, who else have you played with here in town, or who else do you play with on a, any kind of a regular basis? Yeah, so uh, I think you know the man Dorian Lackey, the, the man, the, the myth, the, the legend. Yeah, right. <laughs> Episode forty six, forty forty four. Yeah, forty four. Okay, yeah, it just came out. <laughs> trying to hype it up here for you. Uh, yeah, so He's I met cool Dorian. I th- it might have been just an early early uh, tour stop round okay. at Cabana. No, it was at a uh, it was at Belmont. Okay, I first met Dorian, and like I don't think he was playing. I like just moved to town. R.I.P. Belcourt Taps. Yeah, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean I was just I was networking and trying to just meet people, and um, you know, I mean since then like Dorian's, you know, back then we were doing a lot of acoustic, mm-hmm. him and James on guitar, and then eventually like. Added Cajon, that's where I came into the mix. And then since then, it's been so cool to see kind of the trajectory. Like, right. we've been doing some pretty cool full band sets. Um, I'm so sorry I had to miss his show at the basement back in May. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you were going through your... Yeah, I heard that was just an incredible night. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the lineup that night was also just insane with Justin yeah. Luis and Natasha Blaine. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying yeah. to schedule a show for the three of them at... Uh, like a classier venue because what I want to do is a black tie tour stop mm. where it's like fancy dress, cool, like chill, vibey music. Yep. And I think we would try to do it at the Belmont Mansion or the Ooh. or the something like that. The Belmont Mansion. Yeah, that's is, a really uh, good idea. Something like that. But something a I bit think different. it'd be cool as hell. Yeah. To I do like it, that. to do it in like a, a legit ballroom and why not red carpet? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. People would love that. I think there's enough. Uh, there's enough yeehaw motherfuckery in this town. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you need some contrast, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll make the uh, the poster. It'll say uh, tuxedos required, and then parentheses no Canadian tuxedos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a that's shout out at me because yeah, that's right, my yeah. favorite outfit. Is the denim on denim on denim? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I bought my denim jacket like a month in. It just I it happened, you know. I'm pretty sure that's about when it happened for me because I started seeing <laughs> I was like, man, I'm never gonna be like a, a denim jacket guy. Yeah. And then I found one that fit perfectly and I was like, ah crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's happening. Yeah. You know, I I I really try to play with a bunch of so beyond my, my day job at Pearl, I'm you know, more of a freelancer. Okay. Which I love. I love playing with a bunch of different artists. So Dorian, um, you know, playing with Kate. 
Recently, I've been pl- kind of filling in for this band, uh, Forts Like Vanna. I've never heard of them. Yeah, they're what really kind of music are they? they're fun. They're um, kind of like a boy band. They're really good dudes. Uh, it's Is more a like band? they're Nashville based. Yeah, okay. I think they're they're from Nebraska. Uh, the the main guys there, but it's kind of like alternative, uh, a little bit of punk. Okay. It's, um, yeah, it's it's a, some fun. That's cool. fun music. So we've been we've we've only had two shows that I've been a part of here. So are you more of a? Would you rather be a hired gun or would you rather be part of like a band dynamic project? Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole balance. I I mean, I think right now I'd, I'd rather be doing kind of a hired gun, mm-hmm. and then leading into that is like you mentioned, like the session work and yeah, definitely uh, do studio work here and um, have always been a, a very technical drummer. Right, you know, going back to playing Zappa, you kind of have to be, yeah. And, like transcribing because we would like it was actually a class too, believe it or not, like the Zappa. How to band. play like, so we we would actually <laughs> for the semester like the final was mm-hmm. just us playing down an album. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Like, and we never did Black Page, but it was on the list, and then we cut it. And uh, but like all those songs, like I basically had to transcribe a lot of those parts and that's play, cool. it, play it down. You know, that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of education we ought to be giving musicians, like. Learn how to play Master of Puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, go learn how to play something, like, that, that's actually out there. Yeah. Because, uh, did, so did you have to do, like, music theory and aural skills and all of that? Yeah. Piano? Yeah, a little bit. Not a whole lot. Um, but, yeah. I was a music theory and a composition major. Okay. For, uh, like, three years in college. And I transferred into the University of Missouri in my junior year as a theory and composition major. And... When I showed up for like my whatever it was application interview or something, the head of the music theory department came up to me and he's like, "Hey, thanks for coming by today. I just wanted to have a quick chat with you because no one else is majoring in music theory, and I want to make sure you know what music theory is." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So he's like, "Tell me in your own <laughs> why, words. Why are you the only one?" He's here? like, "Tell me what you think music theory is." That's and I was hilarious. like, "It's the study of how music is written and played." And he goes, "Oh shit! So you actually know what you want to do?" And I was like, "Yeah." And yeah, that, that, that's it. Yeah, come on in. I, I loved it, but yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't end up sticking with it because it was kind of ruining my love of like songwriting and rock and roll guitar playings because yeah. it was it was kind of boxing me into writing chamber orchestra music, which is not what what I wanted to do. Yeah, right. And I had to do a. For, I think it was a final for my composition class. It was the one of four pieces, so we had to write one. I think it was like one piece a month for a semester and god it was uh the final and we had to write something in a mix meter so i wrote something in seven eight which love it uh is like subdivided one two one two one two three or one two three whatever it is and (laughs) i was trying to piss off my teacher because he was a real dick to me yeah so i changed the meter Every measure, so it was one two one two one two three one two three one two one two one two one two one two one two like I flip flopped it every measure, and he came back at the end of the semester. He's like, "Of all the things you've written this semester, I hated this the least." And I was like, "Interesting. Wow. Yeah. You could have said I liked this the most. Yeah. Right. Meant the same thing. It's not hurt my feelings. It's a very backhanded compliment. Yeah. So after that, I I took some time off and changed to an English degree. It was like. I always knew I wanted to be in music and yeah. writing mixed meter three piece chamber orchestra music <laughs> wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to make loud noises go bong, bong, bong. <laughs> that was exactly. my kind of a thing. 
Yeah. So uh, were you into like classic rock music growing up? Was was that what you were listening to, or were you more like pop punk? Uh, yeah, definitely more in the pop alternative. Gotcha. Like I was in a Blink cover band in high school. Sweet. And just yeah, definitely you know like Incubus, some of my favorite like that that kind of music. Sweet. And, and still today, Foo Fighters. I mean, yeah, Foo definitely Fighters the classic are my favorite still. band. Yeah, like ever. Mm-hmm. Foo Fighters and Van Halen are my two. Mm. Uh, I've seen. I only saw Van Halen once before Eddie died. Ooh. And where'd you see him? I saw them in 2012 in Kansas City, and that was when they were playing with David Lee Roth. So it, it was a killer show. But I showed up to the stadium and had my ticket. It was like 275 bucks for one of the highest seats I could get. Yep. And I showed up and they had everything fenced off. And there was a security guard and he's like, "Hey, so this section's closed for construction. Uh, here's your new ticket." And they moved me to the floor, and I was like 80 feet from the stage, and oh I was like, gosh. "This makes it so much more worth it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I saw Van Halen, and I wow. saw uh, Foo Fighters once in St. Louis, once in Kansas City. But Man, I'm jealous. I've never got to see Foo. Did you? Uh, did you see the giant like, whatever it is, tribute show they're putting on for Taylor? Yeah. There's yeah, one I saw in London, that. one in LA. Yeah. The guest list for that show is insane. insane. Yeah. They did not spare any. No, absolutely yeah. not. And see, I'm I'm kind of hoping that th- they'll do it someday. If I'm not going to rush it, yeah. I would like for there to be a tour where they just have all of these guest drummers come and do it. That'd be cool. Because I mean, they're the big one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Oh yeah, they could do that. But yeah. I don't think they. I'm worried they're going to break up because it's the same as like Led Zeppelin when John Bonham died. Yeah. It's like the dynamic would never be the same. I know. Yeah. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind it's, of. I think we're that. all curious to see what's going to happen there. I have a, I, I have a feeling that they're going to get someone. I. But. I mean, the, the Foo Fighters machine is just so big. Yeah. Like, it's it sucks so bad that they lost Taylor, but there's still a lot of, they still they're still young. Yeah. I mean, they're still. I mean, they're in their fifties, but right. they're they're still young. They as got far as, they got more music. Yeah, they got a lot more sure. good stuff to come. Did, speaking of, were you at that Taylor Hawkins tribute show? On Broadway uh, a few months ago, I couldn't go. That oh was a bus God. call show, right? I don't think. Um, I don't think it was bus call. It was. Okay. I forget who exactly organized it, but okay. it was all guest drummers that I each totally played like two that. or three tracks. Uh, Jake I had a, Summers I had a tour there. stop show that night. I couldn't uh, go. I was yeah. pissed. It was. It was a special night. It was. It was. Did um, you get to play? I did not play. No, I mean it was like some pretty high count. Like as I said, Rich Redmond, uh, Jake Summers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our buddy Ethan Harb, who cool. we had on the podcast, played, and then, so they, it was it was like a rehearsed thing. So there was a, a house band, and then each drummer would come up and play like two or three songs. All and they all, all yeah, night. oh yeah, it was amazing. And Man. they all played like <laughs> so cool. They all played like as a, as a tribute to Taylor. They played like the parts exactly how they. Dude, that's be. awesome. It was, so, it was cool. Yeah. Oh, what what Foo Fighters albums are your favorite? Ooh. That's a good question. I think there's I nothing about to lose is my favorite. I mean, I, I'm more into, I guess, I, I you know, the classic tracks, like mm-hmm. Everlong, Walk, Rope, mm-hmm. some of my favorites. Wasting Light was uh, the 2011 mm-hmm. album with yep. with Walk and Rope and everything. Yeah. Um, that was when I saw them. That was the album that got me into the band because before that I had I'd heard like Learn to Fly and Everlong, but yeah. Wasting Light really brought me into it because it was just dirty, loud rock and roll. And I bought the CD of it from a Walmart, and it came with... Back when CDs were the way to get music. Yeah, back when you actually bought CDs. But it had 
strips of the actual analog tape they used to record it. Oh, really? Inside wow. of it. Yeah, it was cool. Like for everyone? Or like yeah, just, for, I mean, it was or, for probably the first like 50,000 or 100,000 copies or something. Oh, gotcha. But it was like three inches of analog tape. So, wow. I mean, you couldn't play it or anything. And yeah. honestly, it could have been. You still like, have it? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's at home. Yeah, it's either at home or some 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 buried in some box with all of my CDs, which yep. I no longer am able to play. Yep. Do you still have a CD player? Nope. Nope. No record player either. Yeah, I have yeah. A, I have a vinyl for or I have a turntable for my vinyl, but I don't have a uh, I don't have an actual CD player. If I yeah. wanted to listen to a CD or watch a DVD, I'd have to plug in my Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yep. my old Xbox 360. Man, those were the days. But hey, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. We've got Dan Ainspin here in the studio with us today. Uh, the first drummer guest we've ever had on the show. Dan, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm honored. Might, <laughs> might be the last, depending on how well this goes. But <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put it past you. You're a, you're a great <laughs> dude. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. And for those of you listening this week, uh, Dan has played with uh, several artists, most likely your friends here in town. Uh, most recently with uh, Mr. Dorian Lackey and. Uh, who else? Kate yeah, Sykes. so I'm playing with Kate Sykes, uh, up and coming country artist, and I was playing with this band Forts Like Vanna, cool. like a pop punk mm-hmm. outfit. So, and, uh, um, you said earlier that you are kind of trying to figure out where you fall into this uh, world of being a drummer in Nashville, and I can't keep time at all. <laughs> like four on the floor is as good as I can get. Yeah. So, uh, what, what's it like, like trying to get into someone's act as a drummer because I know, like, from my perspective as a guitarist, sometimes people just see you play and they're like, you, be in my band. Right. What's it, what's it like for a drummer? Have you ever had to, like, proper audition for someone's band? I haven't had, uh, I don't think I've had true auditions. I mean, you know, it's it's great. I'm grateful for this community that you've been a huge part of. Like, a lot of my earlier gigs have come through Tour Stop. Cool. And, you know, we, it's it's said a lot, just the, the importance of networking and showing up, being present, supporting other artists even if you're not on the gig yeah so and that's how i met dorian and, and you know just going to different writers rounds and genuinely having you know an interest in the artist and then yeah you know approaching them afterward um people it, can see through that if you're yeah. just trying to use them as a means to an end yeah like you yeah. can smell that shit from a mile away right so for those of you listening don't be a douche <laughs> <laughs> Quote, yeah, from Aaron said that, not me. <laughs> yeah, but you can, I, you I can quote me on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what I, what I always like to say is, uh, you know who likes nice people? Everyone. You know who likes assholes? Girls I want to date. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like being being present, is a that's a, the correct word for it. Yeah. Because there's there's so many people who just want gigs. They like Or people who want to play tour stop, for example. And they, they DM me relentlessly on Instagram. And they've never once come to a show. They don't know anything about what it's about. They just want to be on stage. And like, I've been there. But yeah. there's so it's good much... to have that you know, passion and, and yeah. excitement. But there's a lot more to what we do than just being on stage. Like the 45 minute set is cool, but then there's that's also... the end of it. That's, that's the result. Yeah, of, of all the work before of all the other work. And like yeah. the the 45 minute set. I mean, like 
if you're playing with with Kate, like you're rehearsing and then you're in communication with her. So having a good relationship with the people you're working with is honestly almost more important than just being a good player. Oh, it's so important. Even back to what we were talking about with music theory, I think that definitely separates like the professional drummers that have you know not necessarily like a, a degree in theory mm-hmm. but that really understand not just their drum parts but how you know what we do as as the the foundation for an artist or a band right. really um is a driving force and, and how we you know have to really play with the other artists and, that, and yeah like with kate like we had a one rehearsal before that gig and um, as i mentioned that was our first full band set so mm-hmm. there was you know there was some some kinks to work out and um, but I was I was pretty valuable and like in that rehearsal I with the other band members I came up with different suggestions on parts and not just like okay what am I playing right but, like, let's think like how can I support Kate as the artist and then you know the band were you kind of acting as a de facto band leader um sort of yeah I'd say so and that's yeah. something that I feel like a lot of people in Nashville don't don't recognize is there's there's generally in in hired gun bands there's someone who's in charge because the artists write these incredible songs but from an, a songwriter's perspective they're not often hearing the instrumentation around it yeah. so that's why producers have work here in Nashville and why band leaders have work in Nashville is because they're building the song behind the song yeah it's it's a totally different product 100% and that's what's going to get you hired and, and totally. keep coming back is that that working relationship and mm-hmm. You know, Dan's not just yeah. Because how many drummers can play the same parts? You right. know, but like, w- what else are you doing to separate yourself? Right. And become valuable. Is what yeah, it comes down to. I, I've said many times. We talked about it on the podcast last maybe two or three weeks. But being a good hang, mm-hmm. it's like sometimes it's it's not about just showing up and playing the gig and leaving. It's like show that you're invested in the person you're playing with. Yeah. Go early and have have a beer with them or stay after and have a beer. And it could be like, could be the littlest things like, you know, helping the artist, you know, unload to the gig or or at a rehearsal, like not, not to just show up 10 minutes late and then leave. Because again, people see that they see that as you like, Oh, he's just here for a job. Right. And then they'll treat you like it's a job and then they can fire you like it's a job. Exactly. But (laughs) if you fall in love with someone's like personality and dynamic, it's that that special chemistry starts to happen. Yeah. You can see that in bands too that have played together and they've got that that working dynamic. Oh, for sure. Oh, I, I miss that because I grew up in like rock bands where it was just like the core dudes. And yeah. when I moved here, I all of a sudden started being like the artist on stage, so to speak. And I don't, for myself, being the artist on stage was never as important as making sure the other people in my band were also having a good time. Yeah. I, ne- I never liked the, the whole look at me-ness of Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's almost like the music is like just one part of that. You mm-hmm. know, like if, if you're really like a family, then, you know, you're hanging out, like you said, you're doing all these other things. And the show is just is one event. Yeah, it's just see. an event of your family. Yeah. So years ago, I was on tour with an artist and me and the drummer of my band also played with her. And we started this tradition at her shows uh, called Band Prayer, where we would all leave like the green room or wherever we'd all go somewhere together and we'd take a shot and we called that the band prayer. Okay. (laughs) And that's something that we kept up when we were playing in our, our band was just, let's go like, let's do something together as a band. And it didn't have to be a shot before the show, but it was like, let's all just go be a, let's like, let's be a a group. Let's be friends. Yeah. 
in that way. People can see that that kind of electricity on stage. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's something some shows and some performers in Nashville are missing is the entertainer factor. Yeah. Because everyone's like, this song is great and the band is good, but if it's boring to watch, you're you're missing out on literally half of it. Yeah, because you could just stream that that same song from your bedroom, mm-hmm. but people have come out to see you. It, it is visual. You yeah. Know? And that's that's another job that we have as drummers. I mean, all, all you know, musicians, guitar, bass, whatever it is, vocalist. Right. Um, but yeah, we got to we got to show up and deliver. So if you had it your way, if you were building a, a Dan project, whatever you want to call it, uh, what kind of music would you want to play? Mm. Incubus? I, I mean, some <laughs> Incubus in there, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've really uh, become more into the pop scene. Really? Here. Um, I mean, especially with, with, with Dorian and just other uh, other acts here. Um I'm slowly getting into like you know running tracks and Ableton and especially with this band I mentioned, uh, Forts like Vanna. Mm. They they're all running tracks and it's that's like cool, that another cool thing to like. Yeah, again, like how how can you differentiate your music and your live show? You know, like you have tracks playing, you have all these cool effects, you have something that's like people are gonna re- walk away and remember you by. So with with tracks, uh, what what kind of things are actually being played with these tracks because I'm, I'm sure there's a click for you to follow along with yeah i mean in, in that specific circumstance um yeah we all we actually all have a click and then the tracks themselves coming out of the house is mostly um like sound effects okay. uh might be like some some background vocals in there and definitely some like percussion cool and that's been challenging a, a fun challenge for me with this group um is to like how can i kind of play nice with the tracks because it is very percussive mm-hmm. and the tracks is important but i think you know obviously for the live set right it, the drums still need to be prominent the tracks are made to i think compliment should be secondary yes. yeah I'm, I'm glad you say that because i've seen bands who who won't and or can't play without their tracks mm-hmm. and it's it's happened on tour stop before where bands have wanted to use tracks and it's taken 45 minutes to get them working yeah and it's like venues in Nashville are very uh I, I can't think of the correct word finicky where if it's dead for too long people start getting uncomfortable yeah, and like for sure uh, I'm gonna finish this beer and go home yeah and the energy of a room can get lost real fast so it's like if there's tracks like so it runs from Ableton there's a lot of different setups okay. mostly Ableton is a standard and you know some drummers trigger it with the laptop or have like a sample pad. Okay. Um, yeah, but I would agree with what you're saying. Like, if you're gonna, if you're thinking about exploring that, like, just do your research and invest because it's not cheap. But like, have that setup like dialed in. So when you show up, like you, you one go, plug, you go to the front of house guy and you have it all set up to go and everything's working. And it's like you said, do it's they not, do they do an export out of like a uh, like an XLR or something? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I've I've never had any of that in my band because i've always been kind of a purist with with all of my projects it's just like if i can't have someone play it live it shouldn't be on the record yeah and i think track should only uh enhance Mm -hmm. but like yeah if you can't it's got to be first and foremost like acoustic Mm -hmm. or you know with the full band just raw music that sounds great and then okay if you can if you want to add some some cool effects then by all means so you said you also do production work a little bit like, um, yeah, a little bit. This, I mean, is this, uh, like I don't consider myself, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not a producer here. I don't like work with artists necessarily, but 
I it kind of stemmed just again back to my earlier years of like drumming and then making YouTube videos and always had a love for producing content. Uh, so I did you know, a lot of drum covers and then I studied audio in college. Cool. See, so yeah, I'm pretty savvy. I, mean, I can get good drum mixes and you know I've recorded other instruments, but I'm I mostly like I I focus on drum recordings. So what do you think in a drum mix is and we can we can ask this for Will too. What what makes a good drum mix because I I don't know too much about that, but yeah. I've definitely heard people's songs that they've released with bad drum mixes. Sure. So what do you what do you think makes a good drum mix? Yeah, I mean it's all subjective. For me, and I think every drummer would have maybe different answers, but um to me I love like very prominent kick drum first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You got to hear the kick. Kick and snare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love having really punchy, warm toms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cymbals are normally not too loud. And uh, brass is something that can really change the sound of a kit, right? The, the oh yeah, I mean all the all the different you know shell types and mm-hmm. woods. Yeah, that's something sure. that I don't know too much about, but. Come like, by, come by Pearl. We'll give you the the factory tour. I'd love that for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd, be cool. I'd love to to learn more about it because I really, honestly, know very little about it. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've heard those Broadway kits that have just been played for thousands of hours, and you can hear that one time go boom, yeah. Boom. It's just sad. It's usually yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like tuning is always such a big thing. Mm-hmm. In for drummers, it's not even just playing, but just like all the extra work leading up to that performance, and it's it's just like tuning is so important, and it's it's a lot of times, especially on those house kits, you, all you have to do is make a few quick adjustments, and it's normally the the bottom head, okay, the rezzo heads that are just so no I, one touches those, and that's I how, see people tuning their toms for their shows. Is that is that pretty standard for a gig like anywhere? You mean like like with the drum keys and everything? Yeah, I mean, you always, yeah, I mean, you're talking about like a house kit or just mm-hmm. any kind of venue. Yeah, I mean, you want to check it. If it's a house kit, it's probably pretty bashed and <laughs> it's not going to be, it's probably detuned. Gotcha. Um, what kind of kit are you playing? Or are you are you a Pearl guy? Of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm a de facto artist endorser, I guess. That's cool. Um, yeah, I have, I'm right now I'm rocking a, uh, we call the Session Studio cool. Select. It's uh, kind of a, it's a middle of the road. It's great in the studio, but great live as well. What kind? So, what size of uh, what size of kick you got on it? I think I have a twenty-two by eighteen. That's a big one. It's a big one. That is a big one. We, we make them bigger. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not I've, the super uh, size, but it's. it's I've a always large, liked yeah. the sound of the gigantic kick drums because I've seen people play these like yeah, you're cocktail a classic kits. rock guy. That's why. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You bottom. want it to be as big and loud as possible. <clears throat> and uh, have you ever heard the stories about the Eagles' first record? How they didn't uh, mic any of the drums except. Overhead. So the drummer of the Eagles, Don Henley, always talked about how when they recorded their first album, they didn't actually mic the drums. So he was complaining to the producer that he wanted like a louder kick and a louder snare. And he was like, if you want to be louder, just fucking play it louder. So he's Love it. beating the shit out of his kit, just trying to get that tone on. Take it yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Would you like to uh, tell people where they can listen to your podcast, follow you on the internet, uh, see you play live? Sure. Yeah, we just launched a, a podcast website, so it's NashvilleDrummersPodcast.com. Uh, we're on Instagram primarily, and uh, yeah, I'm personally on Instagram, Dan Ainspan Drums, uh, YouTube, Facebook, DanAinspanDrums.com. 
so yeah, hit me up. I'd love to work with you. And again, I'm, I love playing live, but also uh, available for session work as well. Dan is one of my uh, go-to recommendations when people need gig drummers, which I always appreciate. So. Yeah, I think I did. I did I set you up with Kate? Um, I I can't don't recall. I can't remember. I don't, I don't remember actually. But uh, yeah, I recommend Dan all the time to people. But uh, you'll be you'll be on stage with Dorian eventually. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to if, this. If I can ever get this a black tie event off Dude, the Dude, now, now that it's going to be on the podcast, it's going to be out there, and you can't, Speak it can't into go existence. back. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's going to be fun. That's well, you can great. follow us at Nashville Tour Stop on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow me at the Aaron Shilb on platforms like that as well. Uh, check us out at NashvilleTourStop.com. You can keep up with our full event schedule because uh, we do lots and lots and lots of live shows. But uh, keep up with us at Nashville Tour Stop. And uh, please remember to subscribe and follow our shows on your platforms. Uh, I believe we've got like uh, 150 or so subscribers. So to those of you who are listening, thank you. Uh, But we'll be back here next week. But until then, remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. Yeehaw, motherfucker!